Good evening, book folks. This is the After School Book Club. It's show number 10. It's Wednesday, uh, the 31st of March 2021. This is the five o'clock book show. Overall, this is our 97th live radio show, getting close to 100, which is Friday. You're going to love this. Welcome to the book club. And a very good evening to you listeners. Thank you so much indeed. Good to have your company this evening. We'd love to hear from you on the show. The details are easy peasy. Learnradio.net forward slash Eve Ainsworth. All one word. You will find the listening tools there and an opportunity to write on the paddle. And already folks have got questions in there. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, Eve will be reading live from her very, very newest book. It's in fact so new not published yet until the 6th of May. Details about that in a moment. Here are our contact details. Contact the show now. Text us on 078 600 26 400. Email learnradiolive at gmail.com or tweet us at learnradiolive. Oh my goodness, we are thrilled with this title, listeners. Maria is co-hosting with me today. Now, this week in England, for the first time this year, uh, we've been able to open our outdoor spaces. After-school games, sports and activities are now available once more. And football is back on. I know we had some cheering earlier on in the show, just to get you in the mood there. We wanted to celebrate that with our book choice this week. And Eve Ainsworth is our author of the week. We'll be welcoming her in just a a moment and the featured title is the perfect shot a very clever title indeed you see what i did there uh, it's out on uh, just the beginning of may there 6th of may there and we are highly recommending it listeners we've teamed up with tony higginson from beyond books to offer our listeners a pre-order link for a signed copy Ooh, i know you're excited we're excited uh, you'll find this on the show page today eve is an award-winning teen author and has a sizable catalogue i have to say always like that as well although we do like folks who've just published their very first book as well this is brilliant the perfect shot the second book in the dicker girls series i absolutely love it now i haven't read kicking off which is the number one title there but that didn't matter to me and perhaps we'll ask eve when we get chatting to her in a moment um whether that was a requirement or whether she wrote it as a standalone title in its own right we loved the book didn't we maria absolutely loved it Oh, I absolutely thought it was amazing, um, especially when it had that photography in it, because you know my interest yes. in my interest in photography, Russell. I loved it. I'm not normally a mad football fan, I have to say, but I loved the history. I loved the World War One connections. Mm. I loved uh, the kind of home life. I thought it was particularly and the relationships, the camaraderie, mm. that everything was just magical for me. Now, if you love Eve's work, you won't be disappointed with this book. It certainly delivers listeners and it's 
basically what we've come to expect and we'd love to hear from you on the show so the book club website is up and running everything is there just go to learnradio.net forward slash eve ainsworth that's the show page you'll find a padlet contact padlet and email address and everything on there if you prefer to text our text number is free to most uk mobiles it is 0786002600 and you can drop us an email as well at uh, learn radio live or learn radio live at gmail.com if you prefer or just use twitter if you're on there as well that's where most of uh, you book lovies like to commune with us and we are very welcome just use hashtag after school book club for us as well um and eve has a most splendid website herself i have to say folks and you'll find all her contact details there she is available for just about everything i say you can book her for a, a workshop and mentoring now that's very interesting i thought as well i've not seen that before uh, on a writer's website in mentoring workshops school visits and all her emails address uh, details are on eveainsworth.com all one word eveainsworth.com now eve is here ladies and gentlemen and eve thank you so much for joining us how's your day been thank you so much for having me um and yes it's been been great i've been in the school library working hard and i'm glad to be here tonight oh it's a lovely story school librarian the clue is there you live your life surrounded by books what's that like um i'd say it's probably my ideal profession so i write and i read and i work in a library what else can i ask for well there's <laughs> nothing better you're working with young people and a chance to raise those reading aspirations and exciting young people these are these are our same purposes in life aren't they maria they are indeed uh, that was my dream job work in a library surrounded by books i would love it it is really good now we've got some series of questions then we're going to ask uh, eve to read from us we're going to take a music track you'll be very interested listeners all the music on tonight's show are original 1918 recordings i know you're impressed as am i i have to say so we'll be playing those from their original media which was would have been 78 or phonograph recordings some of them as well all of them from that i'll introduce those as you guys got a real a real uh, love 1918 feel about it and there's a lot of history about that and lots to talk with uh, and to discuss as well it's a really great historical piece of work i absolutely loved it maria you've got the first question what do we have for eve thank you thank you russell so eve absolutely loved your book and i was particularly fond of the of the italics that you've used and we've seen this recently in other books you know where the italic font is used to explain either thoughts or dreams and you have used this brilliantly i thought you know to capture the thoughts of freddie that relate to his time on the front and it mm. works so well in the book how is it how do you feel it's important to to hear it's his thoughts in this way um yeah, it's quite a useful tool, I think, to separate the the main action of the book and actually what's happened in the past. And I just felt it was so important that we saw his journey, you know, Freddie's journey and what he'd been through as a character, because he's been a young soldier. World War One is an absolutely horrific war. I know a lot of young people are taught about World War Two. That that's very much on the curriculum. World War One is touched on, but I don't think it's touched on to as much detail. And it really was an absolutely horrendous war. It was so, um, you know, brutal and um, because it was hand-to-hand combat. And so many of the soldiers were very, very young. They signed up at a young age because they wanted to do the right thing for their country. So a lot of them were, were underage when they signed up and Freddie was one of those. Um, so I really wanted to be able to show his emotions and the things that he was worried about and his memories of the war 
um, in the present in the present, um, and be able to differentiate that through the, through the italic um, flashbacks, if you like. Mm. And it works. It works so well as a convention because I know immediately. You know, when that italic font came along, I knew that, you know, we were either going back into the past or something that he was thinking. And it gives Freddie a depth of character. And Russell, you know, Freddie is, you know, a, a central character that's had to adapt quite a lot in the book. Oh, it's an, it, enormous. He's changed the more. And, and it, although we don't discuss his, his age and how he signed up, that's kind of almost a, an implicit um, remark. Mm. And I'm really pleased you mentioned that because he, he was, uh, you know, a, and still is a, a young lad, he, you know, and he's not the boy that he was when he signed up as well it's an incredibly powerful steve that um, story that ha where did you go to find all that research where did you where was your inspiration eve um a lot of it comes from i mean i always say i'm a bit of a magpie myself i mean one of my books is called magpie funny mm. enough mm. um and I feel like I'm a bit of a magpie character in that I collect a lot of information. I, I love history myself, so I watch a lot of documentaries. I read a lot. Of, I read a lot of historical books, and I tend to absorb all this information and keep it there and, and reuse it where I can. And I come from a big family myself, and my um, granddad, my great granddad, my great uncle were all in the war, and there's all stories that have been passed down and passed down to us, um, and talked a lot in our families. Um, and I'm just fascinated about the journeys and what these what these people experience and what they went through. Um, so it's really a, it's a rich experience of, of things that I've either see, you know, not seen myself, but either been told through family tales or read about or watched on TV programs and just absorbed and created this character of Freddie, who's really an amalgamation of all of that, that information. Mm, amazing. I think. Uh I get that. It's just superbly done. And and I think that the interesting thing here is that, that in lots of families, it was just not talked about. And you set that up beautifully with the relationship between the father. I'll, I'll come to that a bit later on. Marie, you've got another question for Eve. Yes. Thank you, Russell. Um, I mean, I when I'm reading a book, Eve, I always seem to um, go off on a, on a tangent, do a little bit of research myself. And I wasn't aware of the Dick Kerr ladies. So okay. I did a little bit of research myself to find out, you know, these wonderful ladies who did such wonderful things. And they are so confident and they provide really strong role models, you know, for the reader. Mm -hmm. How important was this to you, Eve? Oh, very, very. I mean, I knew of the Dick Kerr girls. Um, I remember years ago watching a documentary on, I think it was on BBC One. It was only a very short, fleeting mention about this female team that had been formed in World War One. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, strange, I've not heard of them before. Mm. And then when I heard of this opportunity to write the book, um, because actually it was the publisher, Clan who wanted to publish this book to write a fictionalised um, story about the Dick Kerr girls, I was jumping at the baits and please, please let me do this book. I really mm. want it because I, I come from a working class background. That's very much my background. So I really love anything to do with working class ethics and community. Mm. Um, I'm very much, you know, a feminist. I believe in, you know, talking about what, what women have been through in the past, what, the, what we sort of had to fight for and, and gone through. And I'm also a huge, huge football fan. So the three things combined were just perfect for me. Um, so it was just probably for me one of the most pleasurable books to write because it just had all my passions in, involved. Wow. So this this was the book this was the book that you were you were destined to write then wasn't it? In yeah in many ways I'd like to think that I really would like to think that. 
And there's an interesting story, history there, isn't there, about women's football? Because I can see, I mean, a, a gate of 25,000 people, and you kind mm-hmm. of, you, you tell, that's incredibly popular. And some of these kind of uh, small uh, rural clubs now be very lucky to get anywhere near that. So this was incredibly popular. And there's, there's some really interesting historical facts that we've only just learned from you in, in our preamble before we went live there. I mean, tell me about the where women's football, because it's still quite new to lots of folk, and, and it was banned for a while. Just tell us some more about that, can you? Yeah, so um, basically through the books, I mean, this is the second book in the series, yeah. but I will I will touch on this actually on the third book. Um, but women's football was banned. And part of the reason that women's football was banned was because there was huge petitions, there were huge campaigns to stop women's football. And partly that was, that was laid to rest on the fact that women were seen to be you know, it's always seen that women shouldn't be high football because it wasn't seemly. You know, women shouldn't be out on the pitch. They shouldn't be playing sports. You know, that wasn't appropriate. It could be harmful to their body. You know, their bodies weren't designed to play sport. There was that argument um, going through. But there was also a bigger argument as well, that women's football was becoming too popular. And the Football Association were actually getting quite concerned because teams like the Dick Kerr girls, and the Dick Kerr girls were the biggest team at the time, um, were so popular, they were so successful and so skillful. I mean, they were touring the country, they ended up touring Europe, touring America. Um, people flocked to see them, you know, they were falling in love with these women that were just so, so good. Um, and the Football Association got really, really concerned. So they blamed it on the fact that women shouldn't be playing football, it wasn't appropriate. But a lot of people suspect that actually it was more they were concerned about the fact that they were a threat to men, the men's game. And the Football Association took the decision to ban women's football in 1921. And that ban stayed in place for 50 years. 50 so for 50 years. years, yeah, for 50 years, women could play on an FA approved pitch, which is why women's football has been so far behind for so long. And people don't realise that. I mean, I think about when I used to play, you know, when I used to uh, do PE at school, when I, was, when I was growing up, we didn't play football as girls. We didn't do it. And I didn't question it at the time, but I loved watching football, but I never really questioned why we didn't play football in schools. But a lot of that was the hangover from the fact that, you know, there was this ban in place, you know, and, and it just didn't happen. Girls weren't encouraged to play football for so long. It was quite shocking shocking i should say my goodness oh. I, I, I can i did get the impression while i was reading it they are fast and skillful and when you're describing the action as they're kind of tackling each other and weaving and some some cracking oh, injuries on there as well you yeah. really got across the speed and the zippiness of them i could really s- see and feel that in my mind while i was reading it really came across beautifully you describe it so most excellently i have to say Oh, thank you. Yeah, they were amazing players. I mean, one of them, Lily Parr, who I mentioned a little bit in book two, but more, she'll come up more in book three. She's probably one of the best football players ever that's ever graced the, the world. Um, and she barely gets a mention. Sometimes she'll crop up in, in, you know, conversations about the best female footballers ever. But actually, she's one of the best footballers ever, male or female. She's scored numerous, I can't even remember the number, but so many goals. She was the most skillful player on the pitch. Um, 
these women were amazing. They were absolutely amazing. And we just can't forget about them. They're so no, important. Absolutely. They're and they were working in musician, uh, musicians, munitions. <laughs> That's easy for me to say, we say on the radio, when it certainly wasn't as a munitions factories. And that was incredibly skilled and a highly dangerous job. And lots of young people lost their, women lost their lives in this because they just kind of exploded, which is generally what munitions generally do. But it was very dangerous work. It was really dangerous. I mean, part of the reason why they started playing football in the first place was because they were encouraged to keep fit, to exercise, to strengthen their bodies, um, you know, in the downtime, at break times, at lunchtime. Um, but yeah, it was really dangerous. I mean, they were called the Canaries. Women who worked in the munition factories were called the Canaries because a lot of them, their skin turned yellow, turned a horrible yellowy, tingy colour from the TNT. Um, they'd lose noses, they'd lose eyes, fingers um, from the explosives. But they just, you know, this is just what they dealt with. This was women, you know, fighting to, to help the war effort. Um, and it was just accepted that they would do this awful, grubby, grotty, you know, very, very highly skilled work. Um, and then in the, the, their downtime, they'd be there playing these, these fantastic football. It's just fascinating, oh. absolutely fascinating. Amazing. I've just a pleasure to be getting a history lesson here, folks, as well. And I love that. I mean, it is just classic. And this is what literature is for. It just brings the whole subject matter alive as well. Eve, you very kindly agreed to read for us from the book today. What are you going to read for us? Um, I think I'm going to read. I was sort of looking at the, the section. It's so hard to pick, but I think I'm going to read from chapter four. Excellent. Um, which is quite near the beginning, obviously, being chapter four. But. Um, it's just a nice little little hint of what's to come. Um, and it starts with a flashback and then we go into the, the main text. Lovely. I don't know how long you want me to read for. How long do I... How well, long, how long have you got? I mean, I'd love the whole book, but that's really not practical. <laughs> we, we're okay till six. Uh, but I mean, I'm very grateful. The chapter would be nice until when you're ready to finish. If you just make it clear that you've finished, that's nice. But uh, uh, okay. thank you so much indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Eve Ainsworth reading live from her very latest book. Eve, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so this is from chapter four, and we start with a flashback. Here, Freddy, on my head, son. I lob the ball over, and it lands perfectly as Johnny jumps up to meet it. He glances his head to the side, and we watch as the ball sails wonderfully through the air, flying gracefully between our makeshift goalposts, two battered billy cans. Yes, Johnny pumps the air and runs around cheering. Some of the lads laugh with us, but a couple of the older ones huddle close, shoot us cross looks. Watch out, boys. This is no time for hijinks. Johnny ignores them, instead tugging at my arm and beckoning at me for, to sit with him for a minute. His breath is ragged and his cheeks are pink. I don't think I've seen him look so alive. God, I miss playing, he says, reaching for his cup. I know he has rum in it. Like many, many of the lads here, he drinks to steady his nerves, but I don't like the taste. It makes my tongue and throat burn. I do too, I admit, crouching down beside him and watching the matches back home. Johnny nods slowly. It were a Saturday night treat, that, going down to the game, cheering on the boys, not a care in the world. He shook his head slowly and whistled. Not long, lad, and we'll be back there. Football, all of that. Do you think? I hope so, Johnny. I miss it. I reach inside my pocket. As usual, my stomach is raw with hunger, but I know I have some bully beef to eat. How I miss Mam's home cooking. Hot pot, roast dinner. By gum, I even miss her tripe. Johnny peers down at me, his eyes glistening in the weakening light. We'll get back soon, lad. 
back home, I can promise you that. I shake my head. You can't know that, Johnny. Not for certain. You know how bad it is now. I shiver, thinking of the men we've already lost. The ghosts of the fallen soldiers still linger among us. His hand rests briefly on my shoulder. His voice lowers. Oh, I do know. You'll get back. You have to keep believing that. Promise me, lad. I chuckle, feeling a little uneasy. All right, Johnny. All right, I promise. There's no need to get all serious on me. He sits back. A soft laughter escapes him. You're right, Freddy. I'm being too serious. There's no need for that, eh? He gestures to my food. Eat up. We can have another kick around before it gets too late. I eat, trying to ignore how tasteless the meat is in my mouth and how Johnny's gaze seems to be drifting someplace else, someplace far away. We need to have fun while we still can, he says quietly. This time I do not reply. And now we're going into present time. Mr Franklin had gathered the girls together on the Deepdale field. It was a weekday after work, and although many of the girls looked tired, they still looked smart and clean for their official team photograph. An excited murmur passed through them as I approached awkwardly with a camera. I waved and tried to busy myself getting my equipment ready. I had already taken some practice shots before, so this should have been easy for me, but my, my anxiety still gnawed deep in my stomach. What if I mess this up? This was to be a key photograph for the team and I wanted to get it right for them. It's important the girls feel relaxed and happy, Mr Franklin explained. Besides, I have no doubt that you'll do an excellent job. I saw the previous photographs you took when we got them developed. They were very good. Hetty had brought some of the pictures home to show me. I could see she was quite impressed with what I'd done. Look at this one of Alice, she said, pointing. It's so natural, you really caught her smile. And this one of our flow looks grand. I had to admit, I felt a surge of pride looking at the photographs. Really, they'd just been test shots to get me used to working with the girls and getting used to the camera. But even I had to admit, they looked far better than the simple practice shots. It was quite satisfying seeing the strength and beauty of these girls frozen in perfect images and just as satisfying to know that I'd taken them. But the team photograph today was far more important. This would properly tell everyone who the Dick Kerr girls were. It was an opportunity for the new team members to be officially introduced for the first time. I saw Jenny Harris straight away as she took her place on the seated bench. Annie Hasty was standing behind, a tall girl with short dark curls and a cheeky smile. Annie was hard to miss, but then my eyes fell on someone else, another girl approaching the back line, who greeted Annie warmly before taking her place for the shot. She was as tall as Annie, but slightly stockier, with a bright smile that was immediately infectious and made me want to smile back. Her short brown curls tumbled out of her neat cap and what looked like a scar marked one side of her face. She caught my eye and nodded slightly. I quickly realised who she was. Jessie Wormsley, of course. So she joined after all. I also remember where I'd heard her name before. It had been at the Moore Park Military Hospital. One particular morning I'd heard whispers between the soldiers and noticed knowing looks between being flashed between the staff. It was clear something really bad had happened, but I wasn't sure what. I decided to approach one of the more friendly nurses about it. Oh, we're not meant to talk about that, the nurse said after a little persuasion. The whole thing was, wasn't really reported or anything. It was truly awful. You can tell me, I insisted, switching on what I hope was my most trustworthy look. I won't tell a soul. The nurse was very young and I think she was keen to impress. She set herself on the end of my bed and leant towards me. You promise not to breathe a word? 
cross my heart, I said, drawing a heart across my chest. She nodded. All right, then. Well, you know the National Projectile Factory over in Whiteland? It exploded. There was a terrible fire. They say there was shrapnel from the factory was sent in all directions and all the houses nearby were evacuated. That's awful, I said. Why wasn't it reported? Well, I'm told because of national security concerns. The nurse went in closer, whispering now. We don't want the enemy to know our weaknesses, do we? Where would that leave us? I flinched. No, we certainly don't. I pulled myself straighter in bed, trying to ignore the stiffness and resistance in my body. How many died? Oh, I'm not sure. I heard Temma recovered from the ruins, but there was one, yeah, one lass hurt. But there was one lass hurt in the explosion too. I know of her. She's friends with my sister. Her name's Jessie Wormsley. Oh, the poor thing. Is she recovered now? She was scarred on her cheek, but she'll pull through. She's a true Lancaster girl, full of grit. As a child, she had the misfortune to be struck by lightning. Who could imagine such a thing? She's lucky to survive that. She must be a special girl, that Jessie Wormsley. And here she was now, right in front of me, the newest member of the Dick Kerr team. How strange fate was at times. Hetty was approaching me, a small frown etched on her face. What is it, Freddie? she asked. I realised I must have said Jessie's name out loud and I felt my cheeks heat up. Jessie, I was just thinking how I'd heard about her at the hospital. I was told she was very special. Hetty's smile widened. Oh, she is. Aren't we lucky to have her? Her voice dropped a little. She doesn't like to talk about what happened to her, though. She doesn't like a fuss. She's a very humble lass. And so happy. I watched as she continued to laugh and joke with the girls as they took their remaining places. She is, Hetty agreed. She'll be really good for the team. I took a series of shots in the afternoon light. The girls arranged themselves quickly, some seated on the front bench with their arms folded and others standing behind tall and proud. Girls like Emily Jones, Nellie Mitchell, Jenny Harris smiled shyly for the camera, while others like Annie Hasty and Lily Jones had more formal expressions. And Jessie? Well, she had a twinkle in her eye that really caught my attention. I found myself grinning back at her, my anxiety disappearing. Mr Franklin came over at once when I finished and clapped me on the back. Hetty had already left to join the girls now, and they could and I could relax again. I could see Hetty laughing and joking with Alice and Flo. Well done, lad. I can't wait to see the result, Mr Franklin said. What a fine-looking team, eh? They certainly are, I agreed. Have you met our new players, he asked. I told you I had my eye on a few on these before. I'm so pleased we managed to coax them over. I've not had a chance to meet them yet, sir. I've been too busy setting myself up. Oh, don't bother with that nonsense of calling me, sir, he said. How long have you known me for? You've worked with me long enough before the blessed war, and your dear sister is like a daughter to me. I insist on Alfred, or if you must, Mr Franklin. Thank you, Mr Franklin. Calling Mr Franklin by his first name seemed rather too informal. I wasn't sure my dad would agree with it. He was always reminding us to watch our place. Ah, Jessie lass, we were just talking about you. A group of girls were approaching us, laughing brightly and adjusting their caps as if they'd just been on the town dancing. Mr Franklin hooked his arm around Jessie and drew her close. Meet Freddie, he's Hetty's brother. He'll be with us for a bit of the season, taking photographs of the team when he can. Jessie turned to face me. Close up, I could clearly see the raised scar on the left side of her face, but she didn't seem self-conscious about it. I suppose it wasn't awfully uncommon now. 
I knew that a lot of women at the Dick Kerr factory had been injured while working for explosives. Hetty talked about them often and said she was worried that something awful like that would happen to someone she knew. Jessie's eyes widened and she looked me up and down and that wonderful smile of hers stretched further across her face. The other girls giggled and moved away. How do, Freddie, she said, holding out her hand and greeting. It's good to meet you. I've already introduced to I've been already introduced to Hetty several times now and she's grand. So if you're anything like her. Well, I'll try my best, I smiled. Hetty did mention you, she said. You were in the front, weren't you? Injured in battle. My hand fluttered to my useless leg. Yes, my legs took a hammer in, and my head and lungs too, although they're not so bad now. I guess I got my share. Were you at the Moor Park Hospital after, she asked. I know people that work there. Yes, yes I was. I actually know a nurse that knows you. Really? She blushed a little. I'm not sure there's much to know. Her smile was still on her lips, but it lessened a little. I'm so sorry about your injuries. My younger brother died, you know, in the war, in 1914. It killed my family in many ways. I've seen the true extent of what war can do. I nodded. It is awful. Jessie is the most brilliant footballer, Mr Franklin interjected. Probably helped by having a big family, eh? You learn a lot that way. Jessie's grin was back. I love football for as long as I can remember. It's as much part of me as my own blood. I'm excited to be part of the Dick Kerr girls. Everyone in these parts is talking about them. It feels like I'm joining at a good time. It really is, Mr Franklin agreed. Especially when we have you on board, Jessie. Not only a fine player, but a hero too. Did you hear about her, Freddie? Did you hear what she did? I straightened up. Well, I heard about the explosion and that Jessie was there. My eyes lingered on her face, noticing how pink her cheeks were. Jessie flapped us both away. It went out. Anyone would have done the same in my situation. It was Harvey now, Jessie, Mr Franklin boomed. You're considered a true hero around these parts. You, no, please don't, Jessie held up her hand. Please, Mr Franklin, I'd rather you didn't bring it up now. I find it a bit too much. He shrugged. Of course, Jessie, I don't like to upset you. I just thought Freddie would want to hear what you did. Well, I'm sure he doesn't want to be bored to tears by my life stories. Jessie dipped her head away from both of us. It really was nothing. You don't need to make a fuss. I waited for a moment or two and then spoke. To be honest, I feel much the same when people ask me about the war. It always makes me feel a bit uncomfortable and unsure. I don't like being called a hero, even though complete strangers insist on it. Well, I for one like to applaud bravery and courage, Mr Franklin said firmly. But I understand that you don't want your details broadcast everywhere, Jessie. I must learn to have more discretion. It really is nothing, Jessie repeated, looking quite shy. But it's lovely to meet you, Freddie, and I really hope we'll get the chance to chat again. Me too, I agreed. I would really like that. And I meant it. I realised for the first time since returning from the war that I'd met someone who helped my mood lift. Someone with a smile that could help me feel warm from inside out. I had a feeling I was really going to like Jessie Wormsley. Wow. Thank you, Eve, so much. I really, I was with you. I was with the characters in that story. It was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. And listeners, we're back after this to chat a little bit more about this amazing book, The Perfect Shot with Eve. And if you'd like to comment or ask Eve a question about the book, you've got a few moments to write on our show, Padlet. Just head to learnradio.net forward slash Eve Ainsworth to find today's show page and just pop us a message on the Padlet. You just have to click onto that pink circle with the ad and put your first name in the top box 
and your question or your comment below. And when you're happy with the text, just click on the background and we'll approve it. And while you are doing all of this, all of our music today is from all 1918 original recordings. I love that. It's from 1918. Tiger Rag, that was called, and it was produced by the original Dixie jazz band Stunning. This is the After School Book Club from LearnRadio.net. And a very good afternoon to you. We are live with Eve Ainsworth. That was our most stunning reading. We've just been chatting there uh, whilst you were listening to the music as well. Thank you. You could not have read the better chunk of the book. It sets it up. It's a great advert for the book as well. Uh, thank you so much indeed for getting in contact with us. You've got a couple of messages on the pad. Like Maria, what do you... Um, um, oh, it's my turn first. So uh, hello to the book club team. Hello to... Yeah, good there, right? Uh, we're looking forward to the show here in Kenilworth. Oh, hello. Uh, we love Eve's writing thank you so much indeed that's nice to hear from you maria what do you have thank you russell so mrs richardson says she's looking forward to the show you've had some amazing authors on your book clubs thank you for doing this for our young people they need it thank you very much mrs richardson for getting in touch ah thank you nice to hear from you as well so on the main contact uh page thank you so much and it's still plenty of time right up to the end of the show for you to write a question on here so we'd love to hear from him so marion first there can i ask a question about writing where do you get your inspiration from and how do you stay enthusiastic about the story eve that's from marion oh that's a very good question um I think uh, it really varies. So inspiration for my previous books um, has come from working in schools. So I've always worked in a school environment, either in a pastoral role or now in the school librarian role. Hmm. Um, so I was very inspired by what I was seeing and what I was experiencing working with younger people. Um, because a lot of my previous books have been more issue based about bullying, hmm. mental health, hmm. um, friendships. Um, and obviously this book, the, the Kicking Off, the Dick Kerr series, is inspired by true life. It's inspired by historical reality and, and actually things that have happened. But I combine it with real life events as well. So I put in some issues that I know are important. Yeah. Again, community, friendship, family mm. issues. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm inspired by what I see really and what, I, what I've experienced and what I see people experience around me. Brilliant. Excellent. Maria, you've got a question there. Thank you, Russell. So Simon would like to ask you, Eve, do I need to read the first book in the series to properly enjoy your new title? Um, again, a really good question. No, you don't have to necessarily. You can read um, this book as a standalone and it'll be absolutely fine. Um, Kicking Off is a kind of introductory to the, the Dick Kerr girls and to Hetty, who's Freddie's brother. So it's, her, it's kind of her journey with the Dick Kerr girls. And then the second book is Freddie's journey with them. And then the third book will be somebody else's journey with the Dick Kerr girls. Um, so they really are separate books in their own right. Um, so you can read them out of sequence and I don't think it will matter. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how you find that actually reading it that way around. Well, it's very interesting, thanks. Simon, because uh, thanks, Maria, because um, you uh, you've got a few uh, uh, well, month and a bit to wait for this one. It's published on the 6th of May, uh, Simon. So why not take this opportunity to read the first book? Because I mm. now want to read the first book. So mm. I can tell you that's going to happen. So let's use our time wisely. Grab the <laughs> first book now and then read this. Uh, order the second one. If you order it from the link on the website, you can get a signed copy from Eve. So there, there's 
there's our advice and guidance and we're here for you 24 7 just get those questions in uh, thanks a lot for that simon maria's been in contact here as well i think i have a similar camera i bet you do maria is that that freddie uses in the book this is a 1970 number 2c autographic brownie and maria's put a now maria you're gonna have to talk us through that this was not an instamatic camera was it <laughs> No, no, not at all. I mean, it's I, I've got a selection of cameras, and I'll ask Eve a little bit more about that later on in the show about photography. But no, it's it's it it seems to have a nineteen seventeen smell still. It's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, very fragile. You know, to to take it all out, I had to really think carefully about what was clicking in. But it's an absolutely gorgeous camera. Yeah, wonderful. And um. Onto that, um, Megan. Megan says it looks like a great title, and she likes the way that you've used the perfect shot, referring to football and to photography. And she would like to know: Are you a keen photographer? Um, no, sadly not. I wish I was, um, but I'm actually one of those people that's really, really bad at taking pictures. <laughs> so I really wish that I could claim to that. Um, but I grew up when I was when I was a little girl. My brother-in-law. I, I used to spend a lot of time at my sister's house, and my brother-in-law was a very, very keen photographer. And he had all the old uh, all the old cameras all around his house, and he spent a lot of time taking photos. And I kind of grew up um, around that. So I've always had a bit of a fascination with cameras and old cameras. Um, and I really wish I could be a photographer. I, I think it's a lovely skill to have, but I just don't have it. I don't have that eye. I think it must be an easier skill now than it was um, in 1917, mm. Russell. Gosh, yes, absolutely. Thinking mm. the equipment, it was taking you half an hour. I mean, the football match would have finished by the time you got your tripod <laughs> set up. You check the light. I mean, the light levels. I mean, it's all done by your clicker. By the time your fingers hit the button now, it's measured the light. It's done this. It's done colour balance. Ding, wallops. My goodness, you've never had it so good, listeners. You so haven't as well. Now, the perfect shot, and you see, I took that for being having a third meaning to do with the war as well. So I'm, mm -hmm. I thought that you might be playing on words with that as well. But thanks for the question, Megan, as well. Uh, Lorraine has been on as well. Hi, Lorraine. Thanks. Nice to have you listening there. My two granddaughters play in a local team. They are not so keen on reading lately, so this book may just change their minds. Lorraine, I can guarantee it. Get them to listen to this show and your job is done. Buy them the first because they're going to want to read the first book. Right? Get them the first book and then order the second book. And I think your job is done there, Lorraine. Absolutely. What a great way of doing that. Maria, what else do we have on the Padlet? Yes, thank you, Russell. So Jamie would like to ask you, Eve, uh, why did you choose the name Freddie? Why did I choose the name Freddie? Um, he's one of my, so I was using relatives, um, so old relatives of mine, and he's one of my dad's cousins. He was in the Second World War, actually, but he um, he experienced quite a difficult time in the Second World War, and we got a photo of him, and it just kind of chimed in. I just wanted a young soldier that I kind of knew of in the family. So, yeah, that's why I picked Freddie. That's right. a really, really good question, Jamie. Thank you. And, Russell, we've got one last question on the yes, Padlet. Yes, from Lola. I think we might have just touched on this. Do you like playing football, Eve? Um. Well, no, but part of, part of that, um, I love football, I love watching football, um, I'm a big football fan, but part of the reason why I don't play football is because of the band that we talked about and we didn't have football at school, um, so I never really got to play it, I never really got to try it, um, and by the time you know, I ever had an opportunity, I felt too old and too clumsy really to give it a go, and it's a shame because I was fast at school, so maybe I would have been a good footballer. 
Um, Gosh, yes. We never know. What we a shame. Know. We've 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 lost a generation of footballers, haven't we? Really, with yeah, this. I think we probably have. I think we probably have. And there's actually, and where I live in Crawley, there's a team called the Old Cogs that have set up women that have started <laughs> playing football. Yeah, because they literally their their football is taken away from them at a young age. They play now, um, and they're doing really well. I mean, they 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 play all across the country. They're sort of raising awareness of the fact that women's football has taken such a knocking. Um, but it definitely is a problem. The generation definitely has been lost. Yes, absolutely. I can see that as well. Now, I've um, I've got a question here, but I, you've already answered it about the first book, so I, I don't need to answer that because Simon <laughs> got to me before that. This is uh, this is the delights of live radio, I have to say. So, Maria, perhaps you've you've got a question there. Yes, thank you. So, as I've I've hinted in the you know in the show, you know, I love photography, and I personally I run workshops and classes for young people, and you can't imagine how excited I was finding out, <laughs> you know, that I had this 1917, you know, number two C autographic brownie, just like the one that perhaps Freddie used. Um, you know, delighted to discover he loves photography too. Where, where did you get this idea from? I wanted um, something that would connect Hetty. So Hetty, the first. So she was the first character to be linked with the Dick Kerr team and she actually starts playing with them at the beginning. Um, so she starts training with them and that's how the family links into the Dick Kerr girls. And I wanted the, um, the second book to be Freddie's voice because I wanted to bring World War One and experiences of World War One into it. But I wanted Freddie to have a link with the, the girls as well. And I was thinking, well, how could he be linked with the girls? What could he be mm. doing? And I thought, well, actually, there's nothing more sort of emotive and powerful than being a photographer, taking pictures, you know, being involved. It's quite a personal thing to do. You get to know the girls that way, you know, you get to see them at quite vulnerable times and in action. And it just seemed right. It just seemed the right thing to do, to, to have them involved in that sense. Um, and actually, at the end of book one, it, it's not a spoiler if you haven't read, if you haven't read it, but um, you see where he's gifted the, the camera by the because the, the girls raise money. That's what they do. That's they play football. They raise money for injured soldiers. And rather than giving Freddie money, they give him this camera. That's his gift, you know, for being an injured soldier. Um, and he's encouraged to use this camera because it's his passion, you know, and something to take forward because he's so badly injured in the war and he doesn't know what to do. Um, this camera is, is his way forward. So it was just a lovely link that I thought, well, actually, you could use this camera then to to link him with the Dick Kerr girls. Absolutely. So, because having though you know having to share those memories you know it's bringing freddie you know into that friendship and, and there is mm. russell there there is a great friendship in the team isn't there there is in the team as well but i want to just go back to to his relationship with his dad which i find very interesting because mm. um, there will be lots of uh, uh, of sons that have a very interesting relationship with their with their fathers now and, and it's a it's a it's a loving relationship but it's strained at times there and because of mm. freddie's uh, freddie's experience at war really and you deal with this so sensitively and accurately and and i i just wonder where that re research came from eve um i've always fascinated with dad relationships i think i always have been i think <laughs> maybe coming from a big family i'm one of seven hmm. um so wow. i've seen my four, yeah so i've seen my four brothers lock horns with my dad and my two sisters lock horns with my dad i've seen the different the different relationships you have um and the father-son relationship i think is quite an interesting one um and the dad himself is a complex character and again if you read book one you'll see more of him there's he's more complex not more complex but there's more issues going on with him in book one that you'll see with hetty um so he's evolving as a character but obviously you know he's anti-war he didn't want his son to go to war and he's seen what it's done to his son and his son's come back and he's not the same boy he was and 
the dad himself is injured and you know a bit broken you know he's, he's got a lot of ill health himself so to see his own young boy come back you know in, in in ill health himself is you know devastating for him but being a man of that generation as my dad and his granddad were they're not very good at talking about their emotions or talking about their feelings and sharing those sort of things especially with another boy and I think it's that kind of dynamic that I like exploring the fact that men aren't very good at talking about how they feel and talking about what's worrying them or I'm talking about what's upsetting them you know and um especially with another man <laughs> you know it's that it's that interesting relationship mm, isn't it and there's lots of uh, programs running about now about you know supporting mental health and wellness and a whole mm. range of those things around uh, males uh, who are feeling vulnerable and and depressed and that how we're kind of dealing with that so I mean, it's very interesting that, you know, in 1918, those issues still existed there. And I think that's just perfect as well. Can I just uh, tease some more out about the relationship amongst the women in the team? Because that's very, very, very special. There's a real level of camaraderie that you just, I just don't, it was very interesting to understand. And I completely got it as well. And you've portrayed Mm. that in an amazing way in which the football skills, I've already said that kind of their dribbling just jumped off the page. It was really, really good. And I don't think that we should lose sight of the fact that the Dicker Ladies football team was a real thing. Mm. Uh, where did you start with your research, even if that took you back to book one? Where did that research start? Is it with the historian that you've already mentioned? Yeah, yeah. So I worked really closely with a, a historian called Gail Newsham, um, and she is the expert on all things Dicker. Wow. She's absolutely, she lives and breathes the Dicker ladies. Um, she knows the families, she's got all the memorabilia, she's done books herself, non-fiction books on them. Um, and she's just wonderful. And she, you know, we've been working together on the books. Um, she's writing a companion non-fiction book to go with this one. Um, and, you know, she was just fantastic because we'd have long conversations, mm. um, long emails back and forth. Uh, because what was most important to me was that I was dealing with real people, you know, although Hetty and, and Freddie are, are fictional characters, the girls in the football team are real, yeah. they actually existed. So that's quite a responsibility to write about people that actually were more alive, you know, and they've still got family members. Mm. So I worked closely with Gail to make sure that I got those personalities right, that I got their their relationships right. And one thing that Gail really, really kept on, you know, sort of um, establishing with me was the fact that there was this great great team spirit between them they just Mm. were they just you know they were just fantastic together they just came together they supported each other and that continued you know that continued throughout they never lost that um they were sisters you know there's no better word for it they were sisters they looked Mm. after each other Mm. um and it really went deep and that's what's so special i think it was a really really special team a yeah. really special team different football i think than you see today played with either uh, men or women on the f- mm. on the teams there as well i think that and you watch some uh, male football uh, players playing and you think it was just them on the pitch and there's a you know a lot of a lot of indulgence let's leave it yeah. about that, i think as well inappropriate indulgence in that as well and you kind of wonder it's the team player i think the ladies bring the the team the word team alive maria you've got another question for eve there Thank you, Russell. Yes, I mean, throughout the book, Eve, I mean, you can really tell there's a strong sense of family, real family connections in the book. And can we ask you, how important is family to you? Oh, very, very. I'm very family orientated. I think that probably comes across with the, the book. As I've said before, I come from a big family, you know, big working class, loud, brash family. Um, 
and you know families can be dysfunctional at times they can be difficult at times but I think at, at the heart of it you know there's always that love and that, that connection and I love tapping into that and I think that's what this is all about really these books are about family whether it be the family of the team themselves or the family of the the fictional characters that I've created you know it's about those connections they've got with each other and the, the love that they've got for each other and they're struggling you know there's real poverty there you know it's a really really poor mm. community you know they are struggling they're working ridiculously long hours you know then going home and doing god knows what else when they get home you know it's really yeah. hard work it's really interesting you talk about, you know, family being also the people that are not your blood relations, mm. you know, because that you can have a very strong connection to the people, you know, you can call them your sisters, your brothers, yeah. your extended family, but people that, you know, aren't necessarily from your, you know, your blood family. I found that absolutely fascinating. Um, and Russell, you found the book an absolutely brilliant read, didn't you? I loved it as well. I couldn't stop talking about it, Eve, whilst I was reading. I just kept telling everyone around me, I kept telling Maria, how far have you got? Because I was a little <laughs> bit ahead of Maria. So I said, oh, you won't believe what's going to happen in the next chapter. Couldn't, and that doesn't happen very often, I have to say. It all felt so real to me. It were incredibly there. I actually fell asleep reading the book. And this is a good, good, a good moment. I don't mean it as a negative way. And then I started dreaming about the book. And then I woke up and carried on reading. And I couldn't think whether I'd read what I just dreamt about or whether it was... A, it really had a profound impact. And I think it's the historical relevance of it as well. And uh, about the war and everything. Because, you know, from what I knew, you brought more to that and made it more real and i wonder how important the war is to young people how important do you feel that is to so they understand those things um i think it's really important actually i mean i, I know from the school library perspective you know the war section is always one of the more, most popular areas mm. um i think that it's fascinating i think young people are fascinated by that they're interested by it um, and they want to learn and know more about it. I think that perhaps we need to and maybe talk a bit more about World War One and the, the actual emotional impact of World War One, um, because we talk about sometimes shell shock and things like that, not understanding really what these soldiers were subjected to and what they experienced. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's just something. We talk about war in the sense of, you know, what actually happened, the factual events of what happened. But I don't think we talk enough about the sort of emotional impact of what happened, happened to people and, you know, what happened to the actual families and the communities and, and what it did to people, you know, on that side of things. Um, you know, because it was absolutely devastating. And, you know, I think for communities like where these girls came from in Preston, you know, it was... I just, you know, I, I read, you know, I read other books, I read non-fiction books, I read about what happened, what they went through, and I'm just absolutely so inspired because I think, you know, we're, we're going through a difficult time now, obviously, with COVID and mm. with lockdowns, and I just think, you know, you read these stories and you just feel inspired by it because you think, actually, these people, you know, they really were going from hell and back, but yeah. they get up every day and they just they get on with it you know it was a, it was a very different ethic really no absolutely and these women did very dangerous jobs as we've already talked about mm. uh, just time for another music track i want to play you another fabulous song from there this is charles harrison i'm always chasing rainbows it's a lovely a lovely ditty as they used to say in these olden <laughs> days uh, we're back with eve after this and even some more chance for you to write on the questions we're back in just a few moments this is charles harrison They don't make records like that anymore. Welcome to the After School Book Club from LearnRadio.net. 
Just a few minutes left on the show. Time to get to your last questions and comments for Eve. Maria, what do you have on the Padlets? Thank you, Russell. So Lorraine has been in touch again and she said it's a very interesting book. The best way to learn about history is via stories like this. And she thanks you, Eve. And she also would like to make a comment that her dad took a camera to India in the Second World War. And she asks you, Eve, did you see any original photos from the time to inspire you? Uh, yes, I did. I was researching photos from the time. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful to look at, actually. And I was looking at um, photos. It wasn't so appropriate. I was looking at photos, obviously, of um, football and um, sporting photos. But then I looked at some photos from the First World War as well, which is mm. quite, yeah, they're quite powerful, quite moving photos. Um, so, yes, it's, it's quite powerful photography from mm. that time. I think you described that beautifully. You see, whatever worked, it worked tremendously well because I got the, um, the, 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 the dark, the dank, the mud, the mess, the, the mm. poor food. Everything about it just jumped off the page as well. Um, I had a question here about your next book. What can you tell us about that without compromising your current <laughs> um, publisher's arrangements? What can you tell us about? So definitely, we know there's a third um, book. What, yeah, what can you tell a third us? Book. Um, so I'm currently writing it at the moment, uh, and as far as I'm aware, it's going to be due February next year, um, all things being well. Yep. And it's going to be based on, I think I can tell you actually, it's not going to be given too much away. So book one was about Hetty, the older sister, yep. book two, Freddie, middle brother, and book three is Martha, who's the little sister. Oh. So she's a very keen footballer, and it's going to be from her point of view who's showing promise in this book because yeah. she's chomping at the bit well, am I old enough can I get on there mum I'm saying no you're not old mm. enough I love that <gasps> thrilled we are Eve thrilled you heard it here first folks this is an exclusive <laughs> bless we don't get many of them I have to say bless <laughs> we're only a bunch of, of educators trying to do our very best for young readers and this is a cracking read folks you are so so gonna love it Eve thank you so much indeed for joining us you've You've read far more than we expected and you've delighted us. And uh, thank you so much indeed. Uh, we have really enjoyed you. So thanks so much for joining us. We really are very grateful. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You are very welcome indeed. Uh, folks, on the show page there, you'll find everything and a click-through link. We've teamed up with the brilliant Tony Higginson. I've not met him, but his tweets jump off the page, I have to say. I think he's a character and a half and I love him already. He is from Beyond Books, an independent online bookshop we like independent bookshops and so if you click on the link there's a chance for you to buy a signed copy an advanced copy because it's not out until the 6th of may but i think you should spend your time reading the first the first book in the series uh were just absolutely brilliant again eva thank you so much indeed we have so thoroughly enjoyed you and we wish you the very best of luck with the book launch and of course your third title in the series thank you so much indeed for joining us thank you bless you excellent well a cracking show maria i've thoroughly enjoyed that um we choose some really great books i have to say uh, thank you so much this will be available as a podcast and up to listen again i'm going to leave the music tracks in because i think they add a certain level to 1918's music very we heard a uh, dance hall one and that last one uh, from charles harrison there i'm always chasing rainbows great recordings and i think they put the whole show into context as well thank you so much in 
indeed we are back with you live tomorrow night at eight o'clock for a very interesting extended seeds of creativity live cpd show for educators and colleagues you're really going to love that one as well thank you so much indeed uh, next week we're going to bring you a very interesting author a collection of works i think of poetry and i think you will enjoy that very much james carter is going to join us live on the show until then it's goodbye from her and it's goodbye from him that's the end of our live studio broadcast for the moment 